What up, guys? Welcome to the Sound Centric Podcast. I'm Samuel Sarfo. I'm Adam Dash. And thank you guys for tuning in for another episode. Today we have a very special guest with us. Yes, you may sir. know her from Elsie Not Elise. Uh, she's a music content creator, curator, and enthusiast. The platform has so many different things from music breakdowns all the way to in-depth analyses. And recently she just dropped a YouTube video about Frank Ocean's song Pyramids from Chanel Orange, an incredible video. If you haven't seen it already, go check it out. But Elsie, thank you so much for being here and welcome thank to Sound Thank you so Central. much for having me. Yeah, go. it's huge. But we don't want to waste any time. Uh, we want to get right to it, right to the weekly wrap-up. So, yep. Adam, I'll ask you, what is your playlist title and leading single for this week? Well, as we were just talking about before we click record, my artist of the year, my album of the year, my man Jordan Ward finally got an NPR tiny desk, the staple for any new up-and-coming artist. Maybe I found, I remember the day I found the Anderson Pack tiny desk, and he became my top five artist of all time, doing Suede and Heart Don't Stand a Chance. And it's so cool on Twitter saying people get that same response to Jordan. So I have to, what song will I pick? The one I was just singing in my head, White Crocs. That was just, yep. I'm trying to come up with that energy this week. That's how I'm feeling. So, yeah. so Sam, how are you feeling? What's highlighting your week? I'm doing good. The playlist title for me is going to be called Scorsese because I just saw Killers oh. of the Flower Moon. How was it was, listen, if you haven't seen this movie, you got to watch it. It's amazing. So, amazing. We got someone who's hip already. Adam, I know you better watch it soon. I, I love Scorsese it. here. Um, incredible film. Really impactful if you haven't seen it already. And the song is going to be Hans Zimmer by Marlon Kraft, a New York rapper. Incredible. And that's just because I love score. Um, I love just in terms of just creating instrumentation and things like that. This week yeah. I was at the gym and for some reason I decided let me just put on some Miles Davis wow. straight up jazz instrumental, yeah. nothing okay. else. So a little bit of a little psychopathic, but yeah. um, that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> my, but, my best yeah. my best friend at college, he would study to Hans Zimmer, but like he didn't list, watch the movies before. So I'm yeah. like, yo, you are studying to the most stressful interstellar scene ever. <laughs> And he, he's just grinding away. I'm like, I'm stressed listening in your room right now. <laughs> but Elsie, what about you? I would say I'm still kind of stuck on West Side Guns and Then You Pray For Me. Mm. I'm still stuck on that. I haven't really been able to move past it. <laughs> I would say my my two, I'll, I'll highlight two songs here um, that have really been in my rotation. That's Babylon, Biss, mm. and Kitchen Lights. Um, we still got that one's those, fire. both amazing tracks. Just been on repeat, really, for me. Yeah. We're, we're going to dive into it more with that album, but I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. How did you think um, Costas, so the um, Benny Conway song, how do you like them on a trap beat compared to maybe their normal like piano roll type stuff? Honestly, hearing Take Keith yeah, on a cool. West Side Gun album, like I was, I did not expect that at all. Um, but Benny and Conway and West Side Gun, they were able to make it work. I really yeah. like that track, Costas. Benny Slim. You know, a, lot, a lot of people, you know, have their thoughts on whether, you know, it was good, it was bad. But I honestly liked it. And I just speak for myself. I love when artists are just able to kind of step, you know, out of the box yeah. and just kind of do something, you know, new and not be afraid to do that. Because, you know, West Side Gun is kind of known for one type mm -hmm. of hip hop, like, you know, the alternative boom bap. And for him to just be able to just step out and be like, okay, I'm going to give you a bit of that, but I'm going to give you something different. I think it takes a lot of guts to do yeah. something like that. Mm -hmm. And his music, I feel like, tends to be something that you can't judge off listening once because he's such an yeah. acquired taste of a voice. So you, think, voice, you, yes. have to, you have to get used to that like pocket. Also, I hate, people are like, some people like don't like Stove God. I think he's the one. I need that Stove I God album. Him. I think he's never missed like on a West Side Gun project. He just has his own flair. Nah. He's hilarious. 
<laughs> and I just want to emphasize what you said, Elsie, and that's facts. You know, especially as consumers, it's so easy to kind of put your artist in a box, and that really yeah. screws them over. I know, like even Joey Badass, he's known as this boom bap guy, and as soon as he starts dabbling with all American Badass, and he wants to do a little bit more commercial sound, everyone's hating on him when the message is still the exactly. same. It's still powerful. Exactly. And that's difficult. And I'm a little bit of culprit too, because I did love the album. But I didn't love the trap beats. But I also don't want to say what side gun can be on these beats because he's trying to get mm. out of the box. He's he's literally exactly. forever changing. I think that's a very valid critique, honestly. Mm. You know. And he mentioned that. I mean, he said this is his last album, but he's still releasing projects. So whatever about that comment. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I think but, it's one of those things. We'll see. Yeah, but he did mention he's like, I'll get on Afro beats because someone tweeted that to him. He's like, I'll, I'll hop on. Who West Side Gun? Yeah, so I'm yes. curious. Let's, hear, let's get him and Thames on a song. I'm I'm curious to see what that sounds like. I saw that. I was like, you know what? If he's able to do it well, why not? Why not? I think we're living in a in an age where like what we know as genres are kind of collapsing. Like mm-hmm. the lines are blurring day by day, and I feel like any artist like we saw Gunna just hop on Afrobeat. Yeah, yeah that was crazy. sounded good. And he did well. Like it, it was pretty good. good so. mm-hmm. Honestly, I feel like anyone anyone could do anything music-wise as long as you're willing to execute that well. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's because of streaming, um, that genres are collapsing a little bit? And yes. I know Adam, he's kind yes, of like definitely. a visionary when he thought of it because he was saying that with the future of streaming, everything's going to be niche now. I, I don't think there'll be, well, that's what he said, there won't be like as many superstars as we're seeing now, mm-hmm. but people will have their own, their own hardcore fan base that they'll root for. Facts. Honestly, I agree with that. Streaming has changed so much about music. I I could, if I wanted to talk about my thoughts on that whole topic, like it would take hours, but definitely streaming has really contributed to how people um, consume music these days. We're not really seeing, you know, that rise of that superstar. You know, like people were arguing in rap really recently. Like if you go 10 years back, you had like, you know, Kendrick, Cole, Rocky, you know, coming up all together um, mm-hmm. during the blog era, just having all these superstars emerge. And you can't really say the same, you know, for right now, because yeah. everything is just so niche. Everyone will have their own niche fan base. And because of streaming, you could just open Spotify or Apple Music and play whatever before yeah. you actually had to be so interested that you were willing to, you know, go to a store, spend money, mm-hmm. purchase you know, a CD or, or a vinyl. So definitely different. Yeah, I have two different thoughts on that. One, I think the niche stuff is awesome. I saw Denzel Curry talk about this, but he says people clown him for his first week sales. But he's like, every single show I go to is sold out. So who cares? Exactly. And I think that's awesome from a niche standpoint. And then I saw the NBA player JJ Redick talking about this on his podcast, that there's no more icons in basketball. There's no Michael Jordan, LeBron James, because we know so much about these people and it's a constant... 24-hour news cycle. So mm-hmm. back back then, you only, the only way you saw the news was if you were listening to sports radio or if you were reading the newspaper. Now all you have to do is go on Twitter, and I know way too much about Joel Embiid's life. And it leads in the same way for artists. We know too much about Doja Cat and what she does separately. Exactly. So, and that, that removes from that mystique. You know, the yeah. mystique kind of makes you – you know, gives the artist a different light. Michael Jackson really commented on that, that there's just an mm-hmm. era, like an aura of mystique that an artist has to have in order to, you know, be perceived as a superstar. Yeah. But once people kind of know everything, then that level of mystique just ruins everything. That's the formula that Beyonce uses yeah. as well. Like, we don't know anything about her. 
apart from what she chooses to show us. Mm -hmm. And that's why she's still one of like the last superstars because of that aura of Mystique. We're we're losing recipes, you know, (laughs) these days. Kendrick and Cole have been awesome with doing that. Like, I don't even know what gender J. Cole's kids are or how many there are. (laughs) He'll randomly just talk about them on the album and it's like, does he actually have a kid? Because we haven't seen a single picture. (laughs) Which I think Mr. Cool. Morale was the first time like I saw Kendrick had two kids. Yeah, yeah. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's fun. It's like I'm a big fan of the niche artists because I love niche artists. And I mean, we don't really need superstars anymore. And there's no more Hollywood superstars too, because we know too much about their lives. And they're like, oh, they're they're a blah 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 politics supporter. I'm not a fan mm-hmm. of them anymore. Back then you, you didn't hear anything. You didn't, didn't know. Hear that. Any- True. But it's interesting how record labels will adapt to that, right? Because these are the people who made their money. And although you don't care, I don't care, we don't care, right? But they need their money, right? They they need to care. So how that's going to work. And I'm also curious how many artists are going to now shift to just being strictly independent, uh, being away from a label. And like, for example, Jordan Ward, and obviously he's amazing. We talked about his NPR. Is he an independent artist currently? Hmm. I I don't know if Jordan Ward is independent, but one artist I could say that is independent is Brent Fias. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he's been doing like his yeah. own thing. And I think he's going to be a blueprint for a lot of artists that just, you know, want to do their own thing, but independent mm-hmm. of the whole label structure. Yeah. So there's a case study. There's a video of how Brent Fias, um does his touring. It's from years ago, but it showed how using the Spotify metrics, there's super fans, which I believe are people that listen to you like three times a day and purchase Ooh. like your merch and stuff. So they use that to know how to do their tours. So, okay, Chicago and Philadelphia, I have super fans. So I can do this venue in those towns compared to maybe in New York, I have a little bit less fans, so I do a smaller venue. So that helps them more efficiently like plan their tours. Well, that's really interesting. I actually have never like heard of people using that metric. That's yeah, cool. I can find the video. I can send it to you after, but it's a really interesting video. Really cool. Yeah, but hopefully that becomes the new wave. You know, That's what I'm hoping, You know, getting... Um, at least getting the masters, the actual entities into the artist's hands mm-hmm. rather than the labels. And when you see big artists being able to do like Brent Fies and whatnot, hopefully more artists can actually stick to being independent rather than joining the label. And I say this all the time. For example, Drake doesn't even have to be on a label, but he does. Obviously, he's getting a bag. But mm-hmm. if he wanted he to leave, that could destroy the whole industry. He like, could easily himself. like not be on a label. Yeah. I mean, it's Drake. Mm-hmm. People are going to listen to whatever he puts out. Yeah. So. He had, he had the ability to shake stuff up with his last contract, but he ended up resigning. I think I know people wanted him. It would be crazy to see what how the industry would react to the largest mm-hmm. artists shifting. But to touch on the Brent Fias, you made a video that came out yesterday on vocal airing, which was amazing. Thank you, um, Thank you for watching that. <laughs> yes, I, I love Brent Fias' vocal airing specifically, mm-hmm. and Frank Ocean's is amazing. But to touch on your content, me and Sam are debating because it is so well made. <laughs> do you do you do everything yourself? Do you make like the the YouTube documentaries with just by yourself? Yes. Yeah. So um, honestly, starting out, I would say I'm most of the time a one woman team. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I will point out for the pyramids video, I worked hand in hand with a talented um, um, editor. So I kind of did some editing myself, mm-hmm. but since it was such a like in-depth video, I, I just yeah. couldn't deal with every all my workload. But for everything else you see, you know, I do everything myself. Maybe because I'm just I'm very perfectionist. So mm-hmm. I find it hard to really collaborate with people because once I have a vision, I want it executed exactly, yeah. you know, how how that vision goes. But yeah, I do a lot of stuff myself. I take it really seriously. I write a script for every video. 
I put out kind of edit that script, create visuals, you know, annotate. So recording is a whole process, but, mm-hmm. you know, I try to keep that level of quality. Yeah. And when did you decide to start taking um, things with music serious and and what kind of pushed you to kind of start beginning curating content? Okay, so that's actually a good question. Um, I started making like content, not music wise, like 2019. Mm-hmm. I had a podcast for a little while, <laughs> um, but it wasn't about music. It was kind of just, you know, just talking about mm-hmm. like topics. And, you know, eventually you kind of run out of, of topics to, t- to talk yeah. about. So I stopped that, you know, I think 2020. But then I was always very active on Twitter, music conversations on there. And TikTok was kind of just taking off back then, like 2019, 2020. And I would go on the app and I'd see a lot of people talk about music and they'll get like thousands of likes, you know. And um, most of the time I wouldn't even, I would look at people's videos and be critical. I'd be like, okay, you know, you had a good music opinion, but you could have executed this video in a better mm-hmm. way. You know, and when I found myself doing that, I was like, okay, maybe, you know, I could, I could do this. So I tried, I started my TikTok. March last year, and it took off way faster than I expected. Like I, I did by May. I think I had 50k, and then by September 100k, by December 200k. So it was like okay, you know. And I, I wasn't even three months in when I, you know, did some work with Amazon Music. You know, I had a lot of labels reach out to me, and that's when I decided to, you know, okay, I could take this very seriously. So this year, you know, I've tried, I started my YouTube channel this year because that will give me, you know, more creative mm-hmm. space to go along with very long form content. So it's it's really about where this takes me. I, I don't really know where I want to end up. Yeah. To be honest, <laughs> I don't even know if I really want to work in the music industry because mm-hmm. from what I've seen so far, <laughs> it's a lot, it's a lot going on in there. It's just, yep. just a lot. But then I don't know. I just, wherever it takes me, takes me, but I, I really enjoy what I do. I really love having conversations, even with people like you, um, just like minds that appreciate music mm-hmm. as much as I do. And just sharing that is really priority for me. So a couple questions about your content specifically. How, mm-hmm. so you've kind of found a niche audience because talking about yeah. people like Griselda, <laughs> it's always going to be a niche audience and someone like Frank Ocean might yeah. be a little bit broader. broader. So how do you decide what you want to talk about? Do you think about it from a perspective of more people will want to hear about this Frank Ocean thing? Or I just really like this Griselda album and I don't really care if people, if this one gets a million views because I'd rather just talk about this album I love. You know, actually, that was something I really struggled because um, my music taste is very diverse. Mm-hmm. I remember last year I did a video on um, West Side Gun last year and then I followed it up with a video about Sade. Yeah. And it made me laugh a lot because I'm like, those are two so entirely... <laughs> you know, different, separate artists that don't even have interlapping, you know, fan bases. But, you know, I've just gone to a point where I've noticed that the people, I don't know if it's the TikTok algorithm, but the people that you you target, like if I make a video about Griselda, Griselda fans end up finding the video. You know, if, if I make a video about Stevie Wonder, Stevie Wonder fans end up finding the video. That's one thing I've noticed. So I don't know if it's the algorithm doing its work, but I try not to think about that this time. Mm-hmm. If I have some, if I have an idea I'd like to share, I'm just like, you know what, I'll talk about it because eventually I think the audience is going to find this video. I don't know how they find it, <laughs> yeah. but they find the video and then that, that really works for me. But I always, I always maintain that anything I talk about on my page just has to be something I like. 
Mm-hmm. Like I just, you know, working here, you know, you you get pitched a lot to I pay you, you talk about my music, and I'm like, <laughs> that's cool and all, but I, I have to like the song, you know, before yeah. it goes in the tape. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all about being authentic and that's yeah. why I think your voice is important as well. Like you were saying, you're looking at what was out there in the landscape and obviously mm-hmm. they said some nice things, but some things can be said better. And mm-hmm. that's why it's so important and why we're so happy to have you here. Like just having like, again, a black woman's perspective coming in and yeah, sharing sure. that space and having the yeah. authenticity there is important and, and just really credible in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when it comes to the algorithm, have you like found a science to it? Because I'm sure other artists would love to hear this. Is there a time of day that you found posting or just random? TikTok is the most, like, it's it's so frustrating. I, I That's the it. most frustrating <laughs> algorithm ever. Because you could have a video that does well and you get like 300,000 views. And then you make a video that might even be very similar and then it gets 500 views. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it, it used to drive me crazy. TikTok... Like before I used to think, you know, I'd post at a certain time every day, but then sometimes you make a video posted at 8 PM and it blows up. So you, you, you just, it, yeah. it's something you could just never tell. Honestly, I've tried to find the science to it. I haven't been able to find yeah. the science. To it. We, we posted a video about Joey badass and logic repeating lines. And at mm-hmm. first I got to 700 views while I was at dinner and I posted it. Then two days later, Sam texts me. He's like, yo, it's blowing up. I'm like, what? Exactly. It was 700 views. So for us, that that one ended up getting 45,000, which for us was huge. But then, exactly. so I'm like, oh, let's build off of this. Let's post another video because hopefully the algorithm will like direct it. Next video, mm-hmm. like 300 views. That's what, that's what the algorithm does. I really, I, I try to understand it, but I've, I've given up at this point. Like yeah. whatever happens, happens. And then YouTube wise, have you found anything that kind of works? Are you a shorts person too? YouTube is more like you I think the YouTube algorithm algorithm is a little more predictable mm-hmm. because you can kind of work around it. Like for example, the thumbnail really matters. Like you yeah. gotta get a thumbnail that catches people's attention, you know, the title of the video as well, and kind of just utilizing your reach in other platforms to kind of direct back to YouTube. So I think YouTube is more predictable. I haven't really got into shorts just because shorts are 60 seconds max. Yeah, it's And hard. sometimes like, I think of like an idea and I'm like, I'm going to need at least a minute, 30 seconds, <laughs> you know, to put this yeah. out. And that 60 second like limit is just too tiny for me. I think that's why I don't really explore shorts as much, but I know it's a really good tool, you know, mm-hmm. to build an audience. Yeah. And you're doing really well in everything, of course. And you just talked about starting the YouTube and you talked about doing the Frank Ocean video. Uh, what pushed you to do that? Why Frank Ocean? Why this song? And yeah, just talk more yeah. about it. Like Frank Ocean is just an um, amazing songwriter. I was arguing with a friend like, you know, we don't we don't really have amazing songwriters mm-hmm. these days, especially in R&B. And I was listening to Pyramids and I'm just like, Honestly, I'd listened to that song for so long and I just used to jam to it. I didn't care really about Never the lyrics. About I'm a production it. person. Like, I don't hear lyrics when I <laughs> listen to a song five times. Like, I mm-hmm. don't hear lyrics at all. Um, but then I just kept hearing like Cleopatra, Pyramids. I'm just like, there has to yeah. be a story. There has to be a story in this. And I sat down with one of my friends and we sat down and we kind of just looked at and we're like, wow, okay, this could actually be movie wise. Mm-hmm. So I think almost two months of work went into that video, you know, writing wow, the script, sending months. it to a lot of people. Yeah, sending it to a lot of people. You know, what do you think about this? What can I add to this? So that was that 
Frank Ocean video was very collaborative. I, I sent it to a lot of people. Just let me know your thoughts. What do you think I should include in this video? But yeah, Frank Ocean is an amazing songwriter. It's a pity he's just deciding not to yeah. do any, any music yeah. anymore. You know, I just, I, I, I just, you know, I really want more from him. I really, I think he has the, he has one at least one more classic in him. Like, I'm, I'm so confident, but I don't know. It's up yeah. to him to decide. <laughs> that song, I feel like Pyramids is kind of similar to my reaction to Same Drugs by Chance the Rapper when I didn't wow. realize it was talking about Peter Pan the whole time until I think I saw the genius breakdown. Like he's like, when do you change? I, I always thought it was like, when did you change? I didn't realize he was saying, when do you've changed? Yeah. So, and, and yeah, shout out to Genius too, because, yeah. you know, sometimes you you want to, you, you can't understand a concept and you kind of go on your website and someone in the comments just kind of <laughs> breaks it down. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. So to go on that Frank Ocean comment about him not really releasing music recently and he had the whole, um, was it Coachella incident where yeah. he didn't come out? So something we constantly debate is how much do artists owe fans? And we always say that, or at least I do, from the music perspective, like releasing music, you owe us nothing. Release when you want. From a concert perspective, people paid money to come see you. Show up because people are investing in you. So I saw Lauren Hill came out late again recently and <laughs> I was saw that too. singing the lyrics wrong, different beats. And... People are like, why do you keep buying Lauren Hill tickets? Because it's Lauren Hill, for some reason in your mind, you're like, Honestly, I bought the tickets. Like, I, I plan on seeing her this coming week in Toronto. Yeah. So I hope she doesn't pull, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever she pulled there because I spent money on those tickets. Yeah. So, so what is what is your thought process on what do artists owe fans? We've seen Doja Cat literally try to alienate her fan base from her, which is a crazy move, but bold. Let's see if it works. Honestly, what do artists owe fans? Like, I like the way you kind of separated that with, you know, with the music and then with concerts, mm -hmm. um, especially for, you know, a festival like Coachella, where you have a lot of people traveling actually there yeah. to for the festival, you know, especially for a headliner act. Um, I actually planned on traveling, but I just had last minute plans and I wasn't even to make it. Smart. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, I, I really feel like a lot of people, you know, brought up the, Frank might have stuff going on in his personal life and all of that. But I still think, you know, for people, at least people flying all the way there, um, people coming to see you, you owe them a good performance, at yeah. least. I mean, how long do performances take? Highest you give them one hour, two hours. Yeah. One, Even one good hour, you know, will, will satisfy a lot of fans that spend a lot of money, you know, buying festival tickets and coming long ways to see you. Um, also with Lauren Hill, I, I really don't know why she's built this reputation of, right. you know, <laughs> coming late to concerts. I mean, it's something that people say she's been doing since the early 2000s. So I, I, I can't quite understand it at all. People are still going to buy tickets anyways, because it's, it's Lauren oh, Hill. No. I mean, the name carries a lot of weight. Um, but having to do with stuff like Doja Cat, for example, like, I don't know. I feel like for, for you to get really upset at what she did, you have to be a stan. <laughs> like, because, yeah. like, I feel like Doja Cat from the start, because I discovered Doja back in, like, 2014. No one knew With who the, she the was. new song? Like, <laughs> on SoundCloud. And she's, she's always been like this. Like, this Doja has always been like this from the very start of her career. So, me, personally, I, I try, I don't know if a lot of people might agree with this or not. 
I kind of separate that art from artists, depending mm-hmm. depending on what they did. Because yeah. like for artists like R. Kelly now, like I I don't want to really separate that. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I just toss the baby out with the, <laughs> with the bath water. Um, but for for people like Doja Cat, you know, I just don't really pay attention to all the shenanigans. You know, when Scarlet came out, I listened to the project. I thought it was pretty. I thought it had some pretty good songs on it, to be honest. Um, but at the end of the day, the fans are the same stance that were angry, you know, you're still going to eat up her music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so to me, a lot of the outrage is, a, it's a little pretentious to a degree. Yeah. And I, I try not to really just tap into that. You know, I, I honestly don't pay attention to a lot of like personal lives and all of mm-hmm. that. I just feel like I have way too much more important yeah. stuff to worry about whether Doja Cat hates her fans yeah. or not. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw, I saw today that Benny the Butcher posted a video of him <laughs> complaining that, that fans like shouldn't have as many opinions, which mm-hmm. I saw someone respond saying Griselda is kind of a self-conscious label because there's like Conway was mad about Funkflex not reacting to the freestyle, which was correct because he didn't and that was an amazing freestyle. And people might not give them the praise because they're from Buffalo and New York radio, radio doesn't play them. But mm. it's, it's an interesting conversation about who it should is. have an opinion and what's fair because at the end of the day, we're, we like social media. It's fun to just talk about music. So maybe he was being a little mm. sensitive about that I topic. Think every, I think every, to me though, I feel like everyone is entitled to their own opinion as long as they, they actually listen to the music. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to give your opinion if you, if you don't listen. But And just a hater. I feel it. Like, <laughs> I feel like once you put art into the world, you should be prepared for critique. Mm-hmm. Like you should be prepared um, for people to receive it how they choose to receive it. I feel like a lot of people, you know, some people get really disrespectful, you know, with critique. Per- they go for the artist personally, and yeah. I don't really like that. But if someone actually comes out to be like, I listened to this album, you know, I took time to listen and I didn't like it. I don't think there's a crime in that. Yeah. I feel like everyone is entitled. So I feel like a lot of artists get really sensitive, you know, when people say they don't like the project, but it's, it's art. You put it out, especially when artists are like of a very high level. I wonder why they take their time to like, like go yeah, through what, comments, what go through videos. Like, <laughs> of course, if you're the biggest artist in the world, there's going to be, you know, some people that don't like what you put out and people that like what you put on. That's, that's music, you know? So I feel like artists should channel their energy towards people that actually love you know, what they put out instead of like responding to every yeah. little yeah. thing that's like, oh, Drake. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautifully said, but it's tough though, you know, and I feel like especially with Twitter, I guess now X. Twitter, Twitter um, is crazy. <laughs> I remember a time where like you really had to critique music, but now it's just mid, mid this, mid that, mid, okay, mid, I, mid. I, like, I and, and, and as an artist, especially, imagine, imagine being an artist, you put your heart, your soul, your everything <laughs> Just for a bunch of people who don't even get it, like they don't understand the chord progression, they don't understand all that stuff, the vocal stacks, and they're like mid. I would be PO'd, right? <laughs> you know what? You know, I feel like it's a certain demographic, though. I feel like high schoolers, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, all that type of demo. Because, like, if you actually, I feel like, for example, like you see a lot of like tweets, like, oh, like Kendrick makes horrible music, and like <laughs> you're like mid. You know, and I'm like, if you actually grew up with a time where he was dropping, you know, good kid, he was dropping to pimp a butterfly and you actually like were present in that moment. I feel like you'd have a greater, like a much greater appreciation, you know, for the albums that put out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't I, I want to say I kind of know where the whole discourse came from, you know, referring to albums as mid, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to mention his name. 
Um, but that discourse certainly stemmed um, from online conversations and, you know, and I just really, I, that's, I tweeted about this a couple of weeks ago. You know, I find it hard to have conversations about hip hop mm-hmm. anymore, mm-hmm. like sensible conversations online. Because yeah. you're like, I really like this project. I like this. Someone's like, it was mid. Yeah. <laughs> like not elaborating, not even saying what they didn't like, just it was mid, you mm-hmm. know? And yeah, I, I have a problem with that, to be honest. It's difficult yeah. because music does take time to digest. For example, I was a sophomore when Tapimba Butterfly came out. I did not like it. And then a year later, I was like, this is the greatest piece of art ever made. It took time for me to understand this dick game free and him being all jazzy and doing these weird inflections. And now it's, it's my favorite. I think it's the best album ever made. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. hard because say Drake comes out an album and sometimes Drake albums do take a while to click for you. But also now there's next Friday, there's a whole new group of albums coming out. So it's hard to digest fully and take Very that hard. time. And You're right like, with it. My friends were mad about my Drake take. And I said, I listened to this album that was an hour and 20 minutes over five times. It felt like <laughs> homework. I'm just, I don't want to do it again. I don't want it to hit after five listens. Really you know, I listened to it three times and like it, that was even pushing it for me. It like, like it was, work. it was a lot. So when I, when I gave my critique, a lot of people were like, you didn't listen. I'm like, you know, I listened, but I feel, I feel like what you said about the Pimple Butterfly, I think you could tell at least for me, when an album has a tendency to maybe grow on you. Yeah. Like, like, okay, I don't really like it, but like, I kind of see how maybe the creative direction yeah. you're taking. But sometimes you can listen to a project and you just know that, mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> like from the start, like, okay, the artist could have done better. Yeah. So at least that's how it is for me. I like Beyonce, when she dropped Renaissance last mm-hmm. year, I didn't like that album. I was just like, okay, Ooh. you know, it's not bad. Rest it all my time for the people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> But I love Cuffit. It has grown on me crazy. Okay. You know, I didn't expect that album to grow on me the way it grew on me. I think the whole tour and everything added to the experience. But I think that's a great example of just I, I didn't quite get it on first listen. I'm like, okay, this isn't this isn't bad, but I don't I don't really like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but I don't feel like that was my reaction for Drake. It was just like yeah. he could do better. You know, he that, could do better. That's an interesting <laughs> point about the concert and the whole vibe of it making you like an album. She's the biggest yeah. artist in the world, and she isn't just dropping an album expecting people to like it and doing nothing. She's adding to the experience. And I think that's actually something that a lot of artists can take from. Make your tour a whole experience because maybe people that's, didn't get it on the first listen, but if you're maybe an opening maybe, artist, you talk about watch you perform that. We talk about Jordan Ward before. I saw him open for JID and Smino. Legitimately was the best opening act I've ever seen. He was That's what I heard. I heard he's so good. He was yeah. running around screaming like a WWE wrestler, but still <laughs> singing well. And after every song, he'd make the crowd repeat the song. So it'd be like, what was that song called? Fam Jam 4000. So when I went home, I'm like, oh, that was the one that I really liked. And yeah. it impressed me a lot. I was like, that that's really that's cool. Fire. That's but fire. an artist who does, quote unquote, sometimes oversaturate the market, some might say, is West Side Gun. And someone who's oversaturate, like I want to, I want to, I'm not sure I understand. Some would say maybe he drops too much. Okay. Okay. So like, obviously like last year, was it two years ago when he dropped back to back with the Hitler wears Aramis, um, double album, like two weeks in a row and it's a lot of songs, (laughs) but actually I thought the double album did pretty well. I thought it was a really good album, but he dropped a new project. He says it's his last. We don't believe him. Who cares? But (laughs) what were your thoughts on the new album? And the takes that you got. Yeah. Um, I was really excited um, when I saw And Then You Pray For Me. He, he, the way it was framed, it was like a sequence, like a sequel 
to pray for pairs and everybody liked pray for pairs right um so going into the album i kind of had expectations i i thought like the sound you know palette and design would be very similar to pray for pairs um but going in there you know album started like any griselda album i was like okay you know but just just like like i said hearing take heath you know i'm like what yeah. <laughs> i was so confused you know um but just listening to the album i think West Saigon also, you know, kind of perfected the balance. You know, he had trap there, but he still sprinkled, you know, some songs that just gave that classic West Saigon feel, like Kitchen Lights, for example. Great. And you were just able to see, you know, that glimpse of brilliance out there. Um, but he did mention the fact that I think I was watching his interview with Fantano um, just a couple days ago. And he was saying that, you know, he wanted to pay like homage to, you know, the originators, the gritty trap, you know, mm -hmm. people like T.I., Jeezy. Um, that was kind of what he wanted to do and bringing DJ drama, you know, and, and getting that context from him. Actually, I went to re-listen to the album and it made a lot of sense to me. I'm like, okay, wow, you know, this context really matters. I think the album was great. Mm -hmm. I think people have valid critiques saying that, you know, they didn't like the trap sound, you know, I, I feel like people people have their valid critique with that because it's it's very hard to kind of maybe hear an artist that you expect is something from um, something entirely different. Um, but I just I, I really I, I may I might be biased just because I really like West Saigon. So, you know, but I, I really like the effort that went into the album and I more songs, even the trap songs that I didn't ex love on first listen are really growing on me. So I, I really mm -hmm. think it was a good effort. I don't believe in rating albums over 10. I feel like that might change. So yeah. I, don't, I, I really don't believe in that. But mm -hmm. I think it was pretty good. Yeah, I 100% agree with your take. And seeing West Side Gun being able to work with these legends, trying something new, that's always going to be applauded. And you even mm -hmm. mentioned Pray for Paris, which is my favorite West Side Gun album. Sometimes I can keep my artists in a little box. Right, that was <laughs> that was incredible. And then he dropped mm -hmm. so many times after. I'm like, please just slow down. Let us, let us continue to <laughs> love Pray for Paris. And I'm happy you also brought up Beyonce too, because when I heard Renaissance, and listen, I'm a huge Lemonade stand like that album yeah, everyone, everyone right loved revolutionary then he, she dropped renaissance i didn't get it it was so mm -hmm. different so like different. what is this yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> and then when she started doing her concerts and actually putting it into the theatrics i'm like oh, okay you this is the, the context mm -hmm. you, know, you actually now get the context and i feel like that's kind of what to me and just going back to drake's you know project um i'd like i feel like the last few albums he dropped have been lacking that context, mm -hmm. you know, like that context into the art. Like, why did you take this creative decision? Like, for example, with Honestly, Nevermind, mm -hmm. I liked that album. Mm -hmm. I actually enjoyed it. I, I think he could have come a little harder, mm -hmm. but I really mm -hmm. liked, you know, that album. But I feel like Drake acts like it doesn't exist. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, he didn't really like, you know, tell Marker. us why you, you decided to do a mm -hmm. whole, you know, dance album tell us why you took this creative choice you know it's just like i dropped it and then like six months later i'm giving you another project mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. didn't really get the context you know for that project yeah. and then i dropped her loss okay collab project with 21 savage less than a year later here's another project yeah. <laughs> you know without getting you know that context and and that's that's my beef you mm -hmm. know with drake that's my issue yeah i think that context conversation is really interesting because I remember watching a Tyler interview and he discussed for Call Me If You Get Lost how much West Side Gun mm -hmm. inspired him for it to rap again. And yes. I think it's like, oh, I see the, the first song opens with a West Side Gun beat. Like I 
Tyler wanted to rap again. And as context, he's drama throughout it. And what we're seeing now, although he might be a smaller artist, West Side Gun is on a Travis Scott album. He is getting these – he's on a Kanye West album. That literally felt like a win for all of hip-hop Twitter. <laughs> and like, what are your thoughts on this underground sound reaching the mainstream? Oh, I'm 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 all for it. I'm all for it because I just feel like you know when when people think hip hop, they think of rap caviar. You know, mm-hmm. they they think of like the mainstream stuff, and the underground is crazy right now. If you actually it's like awesome. hip hop right now, the underground is insane. Mm-hmm. I know a couple artists that you know I really like: Redville, Mavi, D Two X. You know, a lot of artists that are just dropping really really nice work, and I'm just. Seeing West Side Gun, you know, get those props gives me hope, you know, that people are going to be able to appreciate this other side of the genre. Because there are a lot of hip hop is dead conversations. You know, <laughs> every day. Hip hop is dying. Hip hop is dying. And like, you know, just listen to the underground. Maybe mainstream mm-hmm. might not be, you know, but the underground yeah. is really great. So seeing West Side Gun, like, you know, on the Travis Scott project. Yes. Sick. Yeah, and Adam threw a little bit of shade there. He said, "Sam, because I'm I'm a pessimist. I'm I'm the old head. That's like hip hop is dying. But I know uh, I know the underground is popping, right? But hip hop is a, not only a young man's game, but it's not always about the underground. We got to get some of those underground folk into the mainstream. But now because yeah. of streaming and everything, is that even possible now? And one thing yeah, about Drake, right? And with his album, I don't know why. And this is not just the first time he's done this, but drop an album that's just really long on purpose. And because of streaming, it's shortening our attention spans and whatnot. We can only digest mm. short songs now. Songs are getting shorter. Albums are getting shorter. Um, so I don't know why Drake decided to push us to, to listen to this type of album. But also <laughs> just, I'm just really um, concerned a little bit how music Pretty is well. going. Not just for hip-hop, but music in general, right? And, but I also understand that, like, for example, music was on the radio back then, and radio distorted what was out there in the music landscape. But now mm-hmm. it's TikTok. TikTok is just radio, right? You know, it's kind of like a trend. You listen to it, whatnot. Basically. But, yeah. Basically. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Music is a, is a very, I think, very transitory space right mm-hmm. now. I think the next, you know, couple to five years are really going to define where music because you know with the whole ai shenanigans yeah you know as well music is just in a very weird (laughs) very weird space Mm -hmm. right now yeah Mm -hmm. i agree with that as we're in a stage and the record labels do not like this the consumer the power has shifted towards the consumer and not to them so back in the day you went on mtv like you they paid for their placement that's the only music video you were going to see see. (laughs) you went to best buy there's only a certain album you couldn't just be living in your house, make an album, get it on the shelf at Best Buy. You had to yep. have a record label to distribute that. And you yep. could say TikTok does push specific things. Who knows what goes on behind the scenes if blah, blah, blah artists paid TikTok. Because TikTok might actually even start its own record label and have yeah. its own yeah, artist. Absolutely. Same way that Genius has win and they constantly post her on the Genius Instagram People are like, who's this blonde girl always posting? Well, genius is now. But it's now. kind of like, you know, when you open TikTok, I don't know if you've noticed, like if you want to maybe just record a video, you know, there's some songs that just automatically yeah. start playing. And you're like, <laughs> I didn't even pick this song. Yeah. Like, like, why is it playing? And I feel like that's what TikTok does. I feel like a lot of artists maybe pay for that placement yeah. to just have like their song playing. Once you want to record a video, like the song just starts playing. So I think TikTok, you know, as a hand and choosing what sounds, you know, go go viral right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. yeah. And the consumer, we, we say who we want to see. There's a reason why we've seen artists blow up in a crazy rate, which leads to them skipping quote unquote steps of their career. 
you see artist development. Artist <laughs> development is definitely lacking. But on the other side, it is cool to see someone like Ice Spice completely mm-hmm. go from having one song to having a song with Nicki Minaj in the biggest movie of the year. And I do love. I have like I have a lot of thoughts, you know, on that because Sam. I feel like nowadays, you know, um, blowing up music wise isn't what it used to be. Yeah, the audience yeah. are very much interested, even more than the music with personalities now. Yeah. And, and 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 that is, I feel like that has changed everything because before you heard a song because you liked the song, you you didn't even care about the artist's personality. But now a lot of people, like especially with Ice Spice and you know, no shade to her. I respect the hustle, you know, but I, I do see a lot of people, you know, say, oh, I think she's so cool. I think, you know, she's down to earth. I think, yeah. you know, I like, I like her, like her character, her attitude. And I'm like, the music? <laughs> Can we <laughs> the talk music? about music? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's what's been happening a lot. Like, and the music, the music has been good, actually. Like, I, I like what, you know, she's done with the Bronx drill. And I really like mm-hmm. what her producer, Riot, has really done. I, li- I like his sound. Um, but I just find out when it comes to music discussions nowadays, it's like a popularity contest, yeah. like contest with like personality. People don't even want to talk about the, the music anymore, um, which I think is is very dangerous. Because like now, being an artist, talent is not enough anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be good looking, you have to have like a likable attitude, like you have yeah. to be social media savvy, mm-hmm. like. It's just a lot these days. Yeah. You know? Ken- Kendrick mentioned, he said, critics want to mention when they miss when hip-hop was rapping. If they did, Killer Mike would be platinum. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we'll see what, yeah. this, what this Grammy year, what that's going to look like. It'll, it'll yeah. be interesting to see what's getting nominated. But that's just a part yeah. of it, you know? I mean, when it comes to um, your brand, you have to know how to market. You got to be out there, you know? And if you're not likable, uh, you, you know, your mm-hmm. music won't take you far unless your music is that good. And I say this, like, we talk about Jack Carlo, incredible artist, right? But he's also mm-hmm. so lovable. Like, how do you not like yeah. Jack Carlo? Yeah, he's exactly. a great guy, right? He's yeah, like his personality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But just to and end I think, it, uh, I think that's the route that Offset kind of took yeah, for this album. Yeah. Like, with the live streaming and everything, like, you kind of got to see, like, okay, who is Offset, you know, as a person. Mm-hmm. And that likability kind of now translated over to the music. So it's a new kind of space we're seeing here yeah and because it's a new space i want to end it on here um what is what are your thoughts on, i guess the future outlook as a whole for music of course you talked about ai right how do you feel about that streaming tiktok what is it gonna look like in the future i know for me i'm a little bit um scared but we'll see <laughs> but what do you think honestly i'm, I'm with you on that mm-hmm. ai particularly mm-hmm. kind of scares me um because i just know that we're like what we've seen is just a tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Like, I think it's, it's going to get way worse. And I'm just thinking of the amount of people as AI gets smarter, because accordingly they say it gets smarter every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, which jobs are going to like fade out? Is the Like in, in 10 years now, is being a producer actually going to be a job yeah. or computers are going to be able to just do everything? You know, because right now I don't even send emails anymore. I just type it to chat GPT, like type this email. Yeah. And it does it for me. <laughs> You know, and AI is AI is getting voices like who knows what music is going to look like, you know. So I'm kind of scared for that because it, it takes away the actual talent, like, you know, that human quality of a producer sitting down and coming up with a beat, you know, an artist singing in a studio. Yeah, I feel like I feel like music is I feel like we need regulation yeah. like very, very quickly. If not, like. It's not looking good. But that's the <laughs> thing, though, right? We need regulation. And 
I was listening to um, an episode uh, of from the Spotify CEO, and basically, this AI material is in the hands of these companies, and we're hoping that these companies can hopefully regulate it and use it for good, not for bad. Mm-hmm. But when has that ever happened in history? When has that ever happened? Exactly, right? <laughs> um, and the Spotify CEO was talking about how when people make music and the files get uploaded, it's in a WAV format, so they can't really tell mm-hmm. how the song was made. So whether That's they use AI or not, that can be identified. Mm-hmm. And they were doing an interview with Grimes, who was another incredible artist. Um, mm-hmm. And what she was talking about was a way that artists could get paid. And not every artist or person agrees with this, but she allows AI of her voice to be made. So if you go to Spotify right now, it will be Grimes, the actual artist profile, really? and Grimes <laughs> AI. And for the Grimes AI, you can use her voice, make it however you want, make cool stuff, right? It's still art, but at the end of the day, because you're using her voice, she still gets paid. So that could be kind of a fair Will way that get, AI could like work. Full payment or yeah, like I don't know. Like part of it. Labels, labels got to figure it out. Like, for me, if you use my voice, you you have to run me my money. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> the full thing. Mm-hmm. Like so, it's 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 very complicated. But okay, I yeah. guess yeah. I, I I don't know if how I feel about that. Yeah. I think that's kind of weird <laughs> to be honest. But <laughs> as long as she's profiting. I guess they would know. they would mention in my college classes last year that I, th- I forget the exact stat, but I think it's like in ten years, fifty percent of the jobs that will be around haven't even been invented yet, which is mm. a scary stat, but also a very intriguing stat. Like, what will that look like? And I was even thinking about this last night, and this could be so wrong. Who knows how AI will develop? Can you replicate having a person? Like, it's one thing to write a song. I've written to ChatGPT, like, write a rap about blah 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 in the tone of Jay Z, and it does it decently well. But can you repre- can you replicate that personality and actual like internal thoughts that an artist has? There's a nuance that that humans have, you know, just being humans. Like especially for example, someone like Jay Z, that where he grew up and everything, and he's his own experiences. I just AI has to get really smart to be able to replicate that nuance. Like yeah. has to get really smart to be able to just you know. I don't I don't see that happening soon, but there's a possibility of that being the case in the distant future. I agree. I agree that it can replicate the nuances, but guess what? The consumers don't care. If it slaps, it slaps, right? No, though. Mm -hmm. Like nowadays, like a lot of people were, um, you know, um, debating about this on Twitter of whether lyrics even matter anymore. (laughs) You know, these days, Mm -hmm. people, I've noticed people don't even really care. Like you just have to have good flow, good production. People just have to be able to vibe and, you got yourself a hit. Like, yeah, there was that that ghostwriter guy that made the Drake Weekend song, and he, <laughs> yes. he was he was tweeting out. He's like, "Can everyone try to get Drake to hear this so we can work together?" Like, dude, no one wants your AI stuff. <laughs> get it out of here. They're clowning him. But let us know what you guys think. Um, Elsie, thank you so much for being here. Honestly, it's, it really is an honor. Um, please, please tell you know the fans where they can find you, and just this is your time to put in a plug. Okay. Um, yeah, I just want to say a special thank you to Adam and Samuel for having me on this podcast. Um, you can find me on TikTok, LC Not A Least, Twitter, LC Not A Least, Instagram, LC Not A Least. Mm-hmm. Like, you get the gist at this point. Um, my main platform for short form content is TikTok. I have a lot of interesting stuff coming on YouTube as well. So those are really my main platforms. If you really want to have conversations with me, Twitter is the best way to kind of get into that. So yeah, thanks again for having me. And of course, yeah. of course, we'll see you guys in the next one. Thanks for listening. We'll see y'all later. Peace. Peace. <laughs>